Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, once again we come before you on a Sunday morning and we ask that you would take the hymns that we sing and receive them uh, as they are intended to be, worship and bringing glory and honor to your holy name. Lord, we ask that you would humble each of our hearts that we may hear your word. Lord, that the Holy Spirit would have freedom to work in our hearts and change us. Lord, that we would leave here better than when we came. We ask you to do your work, that you may be glorified in your church and in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please remain standing. Luke chapter 2. We're going to look at just one verse this morning. It's hard to believe. Next Sunday is Christmas Sunday. How many of you are all ready for Christmas? My hand's not up. I'm just showing you what to do if you were among that group. A lot of work to do, a lot of things that need to happen. And uh, don't forget in all your hurry and scurry and things that need to go on that it's really supposed to be all about Jesus. And there are those... uh, who claim that we shouldn't celebrate Christmas and then just fill in the blank. I mean, they talk about all the commercialism. Well, how do you deal with commercialism? Don't participate, amen? Uh, I mean, none of us have extra money we don't know what to do with anyway. So just don't participate and don't feel bad when they tell you that you should. And uh, some claim that, you know, everything about Christmas has some cultic tie back in uh, ancient traditions and all of that, even to the timing of the season. But if Linus and the Peanuts can get it right, why can't you? Amen? Uh, I've had people say, you you know, nowhere in the Bible does it tell us to celebrate Christmas. Uh, That's true. But when Jesus was born, the only time in all of history did God send heaven's choir to sing in the ears of men. I have no problem with celebrating Christmas. And we need to ask that the Holy Spirit would make our hearts and our minds and our souls sensitive that when we have opportunity because of the time of year to share the true story of Jesus. Amen. And of course, we do not know exactly what time of the year Jesus was born. The Bible tells us uh, that in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel went Uh, to Mary, there's only one problem. The Jewish calendar actually has two different six months. Uh, And so uh, if you do all the math, that puts Jesus' birth either sometime in late March, early April, or late September, early October is uh, the best that we can guess if all things happened as normally as they do. But if God really wanted us to know that, that detailed, he'd give us the information. And so we're going to take advantage of the season in which we live. And what I want us to look at is the song that the angels sang this morning. 
Most of you should have it memorized if you're preparing for Christmas Eve. Amen? And if you do, why don't you say it with me? Uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 14. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Now, how many of you are going to do a better job than that Christmas Eve? Uh, let's try that one more time, all right? Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Aren't those wonderful words? And, and I want us to just look at them this morning. It starts with glory to God in the highest. Now, I hope on Sunday morning when you come in and when you see the hymns that are in the bulletin there that you would give thought to, to those songs and as we sing, you would think about the words uh, that we sing. I mean, I love that song. It was not in any of our hymn books until we got this one just a little while ago. Uh, Tell me the stories of Jesus. Write on my heart every word. And you know what? When we sing those songs, somebody said, why should we have congregational singing? How many of you know they almost came to blows? They used to put people in jail because they sang out loud in a church service. Could you imagine such silliness? It says, why, why do we do that? Are, are you singing to make Brother Franz happy? I hope no one would think, oh, we're singing because pastor wants us to. I, uh, I wouldn't think that we'd have that problem at all. Are, are we singing to please ourselves? I'll tell you what. It's enjoyable to sing the hymns and listen to other people sing along with you, isn't it? But we sing because it is part of our worship toward God. We want to bring praise and thanksgiving, and the over-encompassing word is glory. Glory is all of those things wrapped up in one. It's praise, it's honor, it's worship, it's adoration, it's lifting up. The word worship simply means to lift up. But if you've ever tried to lift something up that is very heavy, what happens? You get pressed down. You see, as we lift up God, it's going to push you down. It has to. And what we want to do is we want to give glory to God. The angels. You'll notice here, if you look at, your, look at your text there, it says glory to God in the highest, comma, then the word and comes in. Now and is one of those little connecting words. We call it a conjunction. But what you're doing is you're connecting things that are in the same thought pattern but they're different. If 
you're going in a different direction thought-wise, you put the word but in there. So we're heading in the same direction, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men, but they're not the same. The first thing I want us to get a hold of is God is going to get glory in the highest regardless of what we do here on earth. Read the book of Revelation. If you want to get ready for heaven, my friend, it's not seeing how much fun you can have while you're here on earth. If you want to get ready for heaven, learn the meaning of this phrase that the angels sang, glory to God in the highest. That's, that's the song we're going to sing in heaven. Read Revelation chapters 4 and 5. Amen? And yet... It would seem that the famous song of our generation is, Oh my God. Is it not? That's blaming the Lord. That's not the God of the Bible. That's the God of this world. And you cannot offer the God of the Bible any higher insult than to treat him as the God of this world. You can't do it. That's what the Mormon faith does in making Jesus and the devil brothers, stepbrothers. That's, that's why we despise that faith here. Because it is a false and a blasphemous faith. When we take Jesus and we say only that he was a great teacher, is that not what we do? We blaspheme him. We lower him. It is glory to God in the highest. If you've been here the last several Sunday mornings, we started with creation and we're just working our way through the Bible again. Uh, most, most of us, I dare say, uh, could use a little review in the Bible stories. Amen? Uh, I, I've been here for every one, every time we've gone through the Bible. In fact, I've taught most of it. I'm enjoying having Brother Franz and Brother Mike over the years and Peter while he was here. Uh, do some of that, but I'll tell you what, I never get tired of teaching the Bible stories because every one of them is packed full of reasons why we should sing this song that the angels sang, Glory to God in the highest. He has done great things, amen? I just, I just enjoy so much in a sarcastic kind of way is the um, NASA reports of the Mars space rover. How many of you have followed that at all? Every big news headline, Google News and 
We found evidence of running water at one time on the Martian surface that could support life. Have they found any water yet? No. It's interesting, the only place in the universe water exists that we can know of, that we can prove is on Earth. And yet, I read an article, the, one of these space probes got a picture of an eruption of water on the moon that goes around Saturn. Does anybody know what the surface temperature of the moon around Saturn is? Well, it's cold enough that methane runs like water. It's about 180 or almost 200 degrees below zero. Could you have an eruption of water at 200 degrees below zero? I mean, that would be a greater miracle than almost anything else we talk about, wouldn't it? Uh, I mean, the simple truth is science is trying and desperately trying to disprove the creator. But everything that is in this universe testifies of his goodness and his greatness. I mean, stop and think of where you and I are as human beings in this world in which we live. I mean, monkeys can do some incredible things. And as we've said often, people often act like monkeys. But monkeys aren't dumb enough to act like people yet, now are they? And yet, no matter what you do to an animal, they don't think like you and I do. You say, well, my, my, my little whatever, my cat, my dog, my this, they know when I'm sad and they come and they come. Yeah, they can do that, yes. But they don't feel your sorrow like you feel your sorrow. You see, they know, they, we've trained them, that if you're not feeling good and they come up and they... Your little cat comes up and rubs your leg and purrs on your lap that you're going to treat it good. Uh, if your little tabby, your little doggy comes up and, and, and is really happy, what are you going to do? You're going to give it affection. And that's all they want. They have no idea. They're, they cannot think. And I know people say, well... The, the, the uh, what is it, the dolphins, uh, they can talk to each other. Uh, have dolphins ever had wars with each other? Where you have one group of dolphins swimming at another group of dolphins and fight over territory like humans do? Uh, dolphins don't talk. <laughs> because if they had that kind of understanding, that's what they would do. Only man can do that. And God has created us separate 
and supreme of all of his creation. And if you were here for Sunday school, what did we do with it? And yet, God still loves us. Does he not deserve glory in the highest? God still cares about us. I love what Brother Thompson used to say. He said, God knows everything about me, but he still loves me. Should we not sing glory to God in the highest? Should we not understand in spite of all of the things that are going on in this world that he is still the righteous judge and one day the books are going to be opened and he is going to sit in judgment of every human being that has ever lived and never once in all of that judgment will one wrong deed go unpunished or one simple act of service to him for his name go unrewarded. Now we know those judgments happen at different times and all of that. That's not the point that we're trying to bring forth this morning. What we're talking about is why he deserves glory in the highest. You see that phrase in the highest simply means that there are no others. That there is nothing else that is even worthy to be compared to God. So often, we, we, we live and we're conditioned to believe that everybody's the same and that everything is the same. In fact, this foolishness was the whole reasoning behind the world in which we live today. At the end of World War II, there was only one country in the world that had the secret to the atomic bomb. You know what country that was? It was this one. And this was the only country in the history of mankind that's ever used that weapon in warfare. Those are tragic things, my friend. But yet the, some of the men who helped develop that, that secret and unlock the secret of the greatest devastation that was known to mankind said, you see, all men are equal, therefore we must give the secret to our enemies so that we can make sure that no one person destroys the world. That was their reasoning. It's brought a lot of good now, hasn't it? You see, not everything's the same. Because people who believe in God, in the God of this Bible, are different from people who don't. We'll get to that in the next part. But see, all of the goodness that is in creation is because God made it. Amen? 
all of the goodness that is in mankind is because it is a reflection, though very poorly and dimmed at times, is a reflection of the Creator. He is above the creation. And yet, what has been one of man's chief goals since the Garden of Eden? Ye shall become like gods. That's the lie. Because you can't become like God. But you can be like gods. Meaning, take control of your own life and your own destiny. Set up your own kingdom and your own little creation. The only problem is, the only thing we can create is pain and suffering and sickness and death. I want you to turn with me to Isaiah chapter 45. Isaiah chapter 45. And I I wish we had time to read the entire chapter today, but we, we do not, and and it would take us astray from the main thought, but Isaiah chapter 45 is one of those chapters in the Bible that all of the critics of the Bible just wish wasn't there. Because in the beginning of this chapter, in verse 1, it says, Thus saith the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand have I holden, to subdue nations before him. And it goes on. Now Cyrus was a Persian king. Isaiah was written hundreds of years before the destruction of Jerusalem. It would be 70 years after the destruction of Jerusalem before the Persian army would come in and destroy the Babylonian kingdom and then Cyrus would um, take the throne... Uh, By the way, as you read through this chapter, it says, I will open unto him the brazen gates. He was the general of the Medes and the Persian forces that had been laying siege to the city of Babylon for well nigh a year at the point of Belshazzar's feast in Daniel chapter 5. The Babylonians knew that no one could get through the walls. The river Euphrates ran right through the center and in the middle of that, in that river submerged under the water were two huge brass gates, weighed tons each. And the current of that great river would drown anyone or anything who got near them, let alone to open the gates against the current. Uh, I, I mean... The Euphrates River is a lot like the Hudson River. Could you imagine building a set of gates that went through the Hudson River with all of those currents? Well, the Persians had a plan. They dug a ditch and moved the river. Now, let me tell you something. That was a big ditch. And the guards of the city of Babylon weren't paying attention, couldn't figure out why, while Belshazzar was having his feast, all of a sudden the water flow began to diminish. 
And in a very short period of time, the water flow was down and the general came down into the river and opened those brazen gates. His name was Cyrus. He's talked about here hundreds of years before it happened. And when he ascended to the throne, the Jewish people that were in his kingdom brought a copy of Isaiah, this very chapter here, and said, you're in our Bible. And it said that he would give the command for the rebuilding of the city of Jerusalem, which he did in fulfillment of the prophecies. But the reason I want us to come here is because seven times in this chapter, as God has given all of this prophecy here, seven times he's going to say, Verse 5, I am the Lord and there is none else. There is no God beside me. I girded thee, though thou hast not known me, that they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord. There is none else. You see, that's the prophecy. That is the statement of God's greatness. And guess what? It was echoed in the angel song as they hovered over the fields outside of the city of Bethlehem saying, glory to God in the highest. And yet, we have all kinds of people, all kinds of men down through the ages who've tried to be God. I want to challenge you. We of all people should have a clear head and understand that glory to God in the highest means that he alone deserves our worship and our praise that we should adore or allow nothing to set our hearts affection other than the person of the almighty God amen he is because he is glory to God in the highest there's nothing even close. But I want to challenge you, how much have we set our affection on that is not God? How much have we devoted effort to and, and, and praise to and worship to even that is not God? I tell you, I just about get sick every time I hear a sports report. I mean, we were down passing out tracks at uh, Brother Johnson's uh, uh, a little while ago in October and walked past that uh, Barclay Center and they had all these great big pictures of these guys. And I'll tell you what, some of that stuff that goes on in sports is, is beyond the realm of worship. Years ago, we were when we were living in an apartment up on 31st Street, 
kept smelling this horrible smell coming in from the uh, courtyard where our apartment was. Of course, somebody was doing marijuana out there. And uh, so I went out, and of course, they were just in that little hallway there. They thought nobody was seeing and knowing what they were doing. And in the the conversation, uh, one of the little smart Alex said to me, he said, uh, he says, your, your kids are going to wear my shoes someday. I play basketball for blah, blah, blah. I said, big deal. I never even heard of your stupid school. And I hadn't. I said, and you won't be playing basketball in the NBA if you keep smoking that junk. I said, how can you have enough sense to think about that? Listen. Man has always wanted to take God's glory for himself. The devil has always wanted to take God's glory for himself. Could we challenge ourselves to sing the song? Truly, the angel sang. We will in heaven, I promise you. Glory to God in the highest. Make sure our heart is centered on him and him alone. You see, the next part of that verse says, and on earth. And on earth, peace. How how many of us could use a little more peace? Wouldn't it be wonderful to have a little peace in this world. How about a little peace in Washington, D.C.? I mean, they've been fighting so long and so hard, I don't even think they know what they're fighting over anymore, do you? Uh, certainly not there in our interest. I'm talking about our politicians, our duly elected people who are supposed to care about those who have elected them. Uh, they're just too busy fighting each other to get anything good done. Somebody said, maybe that's an improvement. I don't know, but uh, I'll tell you, We could use peace on earth, but I'll tell you why we don't have peace on earth. Because there's only one source of peace. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. That's Colossians 1.20. You see... The only source of peace is God. And the only place we can find peace is in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have been irritated by another human being this past week? You can raise your hand on that. I mean, if you're alive, if you're doing anything, somebody got to you. And what's the first thing they steal? They steal your peace now, don't they? How many of you thought about doing something to someone because they stole your peace? Now, don't lie. He stole my piece of pie. 
Why do people have to behave like this? Listen. The only way there's peace is through the blood of Jesus Christ. He has reconciled all things unto himself. You see, you cannot be at peace with other people until you're at peace with yourself. You really want people to get on your nerves? They do when you're upset about something else now, don't they? I mean, if you've got something troubling you, you got something wrangling you, just working inside that is causing problems, some problem you can't solve, something that you just have to do that you don't want to do, all, all you need at that time is someone to come up and say, hey, Dad, can we work on this? Hey, hey Dad, did you know that you promised me last week that we were going to work on our Christmas present. I mean, I'll tell you what. You get something going on inside and some well-meaning person is going to get hurt because you're not at peace with yourself. Do I speak the truth? Just go like this. You see, until we have peace with God, and unless we maintain that peace, the rest of the world is just a source of irritation. He said, the angel sung, glory to God in the highest. Why? Because he's the creator. There is none other like him. There is no goodness that you and I can experience that does not come from him. Amen? And he says, and on earth, peace. Peace is not just the absence of war. In fact, I want to challenge you. That peace without God is nothing better than slavery. Isn't that true? I mean, how many dictators have echoed the words of Jesus through the years? You're my friends if you do whatever I say. You see, Jesus can say those words because he is God. And what he wants for us is only best for us. But no human being can utter those words and not bring pain and suffering to another human being. Isn't that true? The angels sang the song, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. How are you going to get peace on earth? Uh, why don't you start right here? Is there peace in your heart? Is there a burden that you're not letting him carry? 
I'll tell you, I, I'm struggling with some things right now. I hate paperwork to start with. And now we have the Affordable Care Act that is changing all of our paperwork and making it much, much, much more difficult. And I'll tell you what, I, I'm, uh, pray, for, pray for me because not all I do is just preach on Sunday morning. It'd be a wonderful job if that's all I had to do. I'd love it. But we've got all this paperwork to to put up with and things. And I'll, I'll tell you what, if I'm not careful, in fact, even if I am careful, it steals my peace. And I'm not a very nice person to be around when I don't have peace. I know you couldn't believe that. But I'll tell you what, you're the exact same way. Because we're all human beings. And if we do not have the peace of God reigning in our hearts. We're going to hurt other people. Peace on earth. Why? Because he is God. That's why. We need to have peace on earth, but it's not going to happen until we get peace in our own hearts. You know what peace in my own heart does? It gives me the strength to stand up and say no to the things I ought to say no to. It gives me strength to tell myself no and embrace the things that God tells me to say yes to. Amen? A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. But when you have peace, you only have one mind and one heart. And that's for the Lord Jesus Christ. And you see, that's when I can have peace with others around me. Amen? But then there's another thing. It says, and on earth, peace. And in the language, it's understood. We understand that today. And on earth, goodwill toward men. Made an amazing discovery as I was preparing this message. Do you know that all of the modern manuscripts, the ones they say are the oldest and the best, the ones that the modern perversions of the scripture are based on, have gotten to this verse and changed it? They would like it to say, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill to those whom God favors. Goodwill to those whom love God already. That would be a small group indeed, would it not? Because no man has ever loved God already. No man has ever naturally embraced God. You must confess your sin and your shortcomings to God and you must come to God and you must call upon Him. That's why the Bible simply says, peace on earth and goodwill toward men. You see, God is again showing us His goodwill toward us. How many people believe in a God that is cruel? and vindictive. 
Uh, I think of the Eastern religions and they talk about karma all the time and how karma cannot be changed and when you do something, it's going to have effects over here and, you know, there is some truth to that. Nobody acts in a vacuum. Nobody acts alone. Things that you do are going to affect other people. But that's a God of cruelty. You see, the God of the Bible stops that karma stuff. It stops at his goodness. And it's changed at his peace. And he has good will. He wants what's best for you and I. God wants what's best for mankind. If you've ever had a point in your life, a time in your life where you were straying from the things of God and straying from the things that you knew were right, and someone tried to come alongside of you and put their arm around you and love you back into the way of truth, what was your first reaction? Don't touch me. Isn't that true? God's goodwill is there. It has never changed. But what he asks you and I to do is say, yes, Lord. You see, that's why it's goodwill toward men. Because it's coming from God. God can't do anything else. God is love, my friends. The Bible says so. Creation proves it. And if you could still have doubts, tell me the story of Jesus. Write on my heart every word. Tell me the story most precious, sweetest, that ever was heard. Amen? Say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. Does that sound like goodwill toward men? Is that the reason? Is that a very good reason to sing glory to God in the highest? And if you want others to have peace, how about you take care of getting a good shot yourself first? And guess what? It'll help others have peace. But the only way you're going to get that peace is to recognize that it's his goodwill that gives it to us. For without faith it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must what? Believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You see, that's the angel song explained, is it not? Not? 
Glory to God in the highest. He is. And peace, and on earth, peace. Goodwill toward men. God is good. Every good thing in my life is because of obedience to this book called the Bible. Every bit of peace I have, any good thing that I've helped anybody else with is because of what's in this book. How about we get some? How about we ask God to help us to live the angel's song? The only way there's going to be peace is if you say, yes, Lord. You got to get saved first because you cannot be at peace with God while you're sitting against him. You say, but pastor, wait, wait a minute. You can't be at peace with God while you're sinning against him and yet I'm saved and I, I sinned this week. Well, yeah. But what does the Bible say to the saved? If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know what? Jesus knew about every sin you had ever sinned when he died on the cross nearly 2,000 years ago. It's not a shock to him. But what we've got to do is go back to the cross. And not try to make it better ourselves. You see, peace comes from him. And the goodwill of God is there toward all men. You know, it's just like a beautiful spring day. You stand in the shadows, in the shade, and guess what? It's cold. But if you choose to just step out into the sunshine... Oh, what a glorious time it is. Amen? And the good will of God is there. I want to warn you, it's not just for anyone who wants it, unless they're going to come to God His way. God will not give you His peace in your sin. He will give you his peace as you turn from it and turn to him. Amen. God's good will is that you would turn away from the things of this world. God's good will is that all be saved. And yet Jesus taught, broad is the way. Wide is the gate that leads into destruction. Many be that go in there at. You want peace? Choose the straight way. Walk through that narrow gate because he is and he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. One more time, we'll be done. Ready? Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men and all God's people said. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. Having looked in your word at the song the angel sang. Lord, I, I would sincerely doubt that there would be one in this auditorium that would question your goodness or your greatness.
But if there would be one, Lord, we pray that the Holy Spirit would have the power to convict them of their arrogance and their pride and their rebellion against the Creator God. And that they would understand that all glory and praise is due your name. The glory to God in the highest, for there are none that are to be compared with you. But Lord, how many of us have struggled with that peace and living in that goodwill that you have already shown to us? Lord, I pray that you would convict our hearts of sin, that you would convict us of trying to serve ourselves and trying to make things happen on our own. Lord, we would surrender to your peace and your goodness, your grace, your goodwill that is already present. That we would not be as some who would struggle and, and labor all our lives that we may be good enough to be a recipient of your grace. For Lord, that can never be. But Lord, we would find the sweet surrender and the peace that comes by just saying yes, Lord. In every part of our life, first in salvation, then in baptism and membership and service to you. Lord, daily, that we may enjoy that peace because it's there. Lord, let us live in your goodness, in your grace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand together this morning.